Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. All right, good morning. Welcome to the show. It is the 1st of December. It's cold. It is officially cold. Uh, I'm at Newbury Racecourse, but we're taking shelter in what can only be described as a broom cupboard to bring you today's podcast, in which you will be hearing from trainers Harry Derham, Jamie Snowden, who has got a proper head scratch with where he sends lorries tomorrow morning with all his horses double declared everywhere. Uh, and I'll be talking to Anthony Bromley, just been named Bloodstock Agent of the Year. He'll be talking to you about Ampere Pass and much, much more in a little while. But Lydia Hislop is with me. I'm not sure the acoustics in this room are brilliant for podcast recording, but this is the only quiet, warm place I can find. Well, it's it's quite warm. It's a, it, it's great to be back in the broom cupboard. Who was it that used to be in the broom cupboard if you watched children's TV? Was what? it Gordon Gopher? It's Philip Schofield. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. Oops. <laughs> and Andy Crane and others. Yeah, so. ab- absolutely. I was thinking mainly about the Gopher myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will move on from from the Gopher and <laughs> and and talk about uh, our. our our favourite four-legged creatures who we are hoping to, to see running here both days of this weekend and up at Newcastle for the Fighting Fifth and at Fairy House for the Hatton's Grace Hurdle, the Drinmore, the Royal Bond and more. All of these venues are at risk at least tomorrow. Yeah, um, and Newbury are obviously in a, in a sticky position because by, re- by dint of racing today, they are jeopardising tomorrow. But clearly, they have to try and put racing on. And if they put all their eggs in one basket, they might have both days off. So mm. at the moment, the track is raceable. It was raceable yesterday. But the problem is going to be there's a very small window when temperatures are not in minus figures. Even the clerk of the course, uh, George Hill, has said that, that he won't fully get all of the covers down but when the before the temperatures start to drop and the problem is that will be on chewed up ground so i think they'll be in a tricky place for saturday i did feel for him it's his first of major big winter festival here at newbury but as i pointed out to him earlier in the week he has come from lingfield so he is a veteran of many campaigns this is a man who actually got the winter millions on i know once. extraordinary extraordinary yeah. i mean the strike rate for that is you know is up against them so congratulations for that uh, so he has uh, managed to climb mountains before and maybe he will again i mean i think it's about is it about 6 miles so that somebody said to me today there of, of of frost cover so it's a huge logistical operation after racing and let fingers crossed it is on for the main day of the Coral Winter Carnival, as I think it's called, isn't Oh, my it? word, is it? Mm. Coral Winter Carnival. It's been everything. It's been the Ladbrokes Winter Festival, the Coral Winter Carnival. Anyway, mm. it is the Coral Gold Cup tomorrow. It's a race with a, a rich and wonderful history, and it is a terrific race. Uh, I think tomorrow's race stands up 
pretty well. What do you think? Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. Um, I, I think it's added to by Hoyce and Yule being in the lineup. I wish he'd run in this race 12 months mm. earlier, but nonetheless, here he is. I expect him to take a big step forward from his first run. I think Newbury's going to suit him, but he is a klutz, isn't he? He, he is. just doesn't know. He has never learned and looks like he never will learn where to put his feet at the right time. Complete unknown is going to have to step up quite markedly on what he did on his seasonal debut, but on last year's form, you'll give him a very strong chance. He's got the right kind of profile and Marla Mission ditto for John McConnell. I like the look of that horse. I think he's got the right run style as well. So here's the thing. I have tried to ring most of the people involved in this race. And we've spoken to Lucinda Russell and to Sam Thomas and to Nicky Henderson and to Joe Tizard and Jamie Snowden and Paul Nichols and others during the course of the last couple of weeks about this race. I have been trying to get hold of John McConnell all week. He is the most cooperative trainer. He's really easy to deal with. I cannot pin him down. Is this a clue? Is he nervous about Marla Mission? Yes, I mean, I think that is a clue. That is surely a tell. It must be. It must be. I think that horse has got a stonking chance. Yeah, I do as well. And actually, he was put up, I noticed, by Martin Dixon, with whom we're working today, as a, well, no, not necessarily for this race, um, but as a complete uh, shot in the dark for, for the Gold Cup at 100 to 1. Oh, how interesting. Mm. How interesting. Because obviously, I think he was set to win the National Hunt Chase. Yeah, I think he'd have won. Uh, even though it was a long way out. Um, he got into such a lovely rhythm that day and he has clearly got upside. He's just seven still. Um, yeah, he, he's a he's a classy chaser to be hanging around on 10-10. Yeah, I would be surprised if the winner came from outside complete unknown Marla Mission, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Those were the two that I immediately started with. I, got, I, I do have a soft stop for Marla Mission, but I made myself be rigorous and I felt that the case stood up as well. You're never anything other than rigorous. <laughs> Good to hear. Okay. Just a reminder that we did speak to Sam Thomas about his two runners earlier in the week. He was quite hopeful of Stolen Silver, who's unexposed at the trip. A Midnight River, expect to see him take a big step forward for Dan Skelton off the back of that Charlie Hall run. Well, as I said earlier in, in the show and earlier this week, on several occasions we are playing inspection roulette really with the racing tomorrow. One person doing that is Jamie Snowden, who's double declared both Galore and That's Alright Gino, both for the Coral Gold Cup and the Rehearsal Chase, uh, and You Wear It Wells in the Fighting Fifth. So it's a big weekend, Jamie. You're eyeing up both venues at the moment. How how are you sort of feeling about it all? Oh well, um, we've we, you know we've got three three really nice horses here, um, ready 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 to run. Um, obviously, big racing and and um, yeah, we we hope, it's, but um, obviously it's it's quite tricky to to manage because um, you know if one is on and the other is off, um, we want to try and get horses down from Newcastle to run at Newbury or or vice versa, and um, it's kind of a, a bit of a logistical nightmare, but. Um, we're, we're, we're working through it. So if if everything went ahead, what is your intention? So if everything went ahead, I think I think we've decided that we're going to send we're going to send the uh, the Newcastle horses up early in the morning, um, and therefore um, if it is if they call it off halfway through the morning, they could get down to Newbury um, in that time. If we get up to Newcastle tonight and they call it off tomorrow. It'll be hard to get down to down to Newbury tomorrow for, for racing. So, I think um, I think we're going we're going to head uh, send the Newcastle lot off um, uh, 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 probably half past five tomorrow morning. And, and so, which, just just to clarify, which horses you're uh, you're intending to run at Newcastle? So you wear it well. We'll go to the Fighting Fifth, and Scarlow will go for the rehearsal chase. And, that, and so, whatever happens, that's all right. Gino will not be going to Newcastle. We don't unless Newbury's off. Exactly. If Newbury if Newbury call it off early enough, he could get up to Newcastle. 
Okay. Now let's try and discuss their their relative chances in the relative races. Um, I mean, you wear it well is is having a bold stab at Constitution Hill, but somebody's got to, for God's sake. Well, it, it is um, in the absence of a of a realistic race that she could run in in December. Um, it, it, it's it, it's there as a, a, a as the race for us. Um, the the mayor's program sets sets itself out for for January, February, March, but but lacks a race for her in December. So um, she's obviously been a prolific mayor. Won at the Cheltenham Festival last year. She won on a comeback run this time this time at Weatherby in a listed race, carrying a penalty and. And uh, we've, you know, we we we've got to go somewhere if, um, you know, we're a racehorse, and and we we've, we've got to have a crack at, at something. Um, Constitution Hill looks looks fairly unbeatable, but um, there's decent prize money on offer, and fingers crossed we can uh, give it give it our best chance. And the two chasers have got sort of contrasting profiles. I think most people feel that that Gar Law's got a little bit left in the tank that we haven't maybe seen yet. Do you subscribe to that view? Yeah, so um, obviously he had a phenomenal year last year. He won the Paddy Power. Um, he would have won the Skybet Chase up at uh, up at Dongster, but he came down at the last. And and you know he would have put two, you know, significantly valuable handicaps last year, which would have been incredible. Um, on the back of that, we were slightly left in limbo, and and it kind of derailed the season slightly. We had a shot at a, a couple of big races, um, and he probably wasn't quite up to that kind of caliber. Um, back in a handicap here, Shishkin obviously off a mark of 173 puts. Uh, Garlo off a mark of 153 off, off carrying 10 stone 7 in a handicap which you wouldn't necessarily think any horse rated 153 would be able to uh, get into any handicap off 10 stone 7 so um, the fact that Shishkin runs in this race certainly um, it gives him a, a little bit more of a chance perhaps because he's the only horse in the handicap. And that's alright Gino's a, a splendid horse really he invariably gives of his best but is he sufficiently unexposed, do you think, in a race like the Coral Gold Cup? Well, he, he, he improved £20 over fences in, in his Novice Chase campaign last season, um, which is, you know, it's a, a significant improvement from, from what he was achieving over hurdles. Um, he won a grade two at the back end of last season. Um, his comeback run this year was, was in what I call the old round bumper. Um, they took out all the all the fences because of the low sun. So he he never won a bumper in his earlier days. He wasn't going to win a a, a, a great a great three bumper. Um, so he had a he had a bit of a blowout, which was great. Um, and 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 obviously we hope the fences are all in tomorrow. Stepping stepping up in trip is a bit of an unknown, but Gavin thinks there's there's improvement off his handicap mark stepped up in trip. So why not try it in a big race? Uh, Jamie, thanks for your time. Best of luck this weekend. Many thanks. Cheers, Nick. Okay, big day if it goes ahead at Newbury tomorrow and the Jerry Fielden for Brentford Hope, one of the stable stars of Harry Derham's burgeoning yard trainer, joins me now. Uh, Harry, this is a horse who I remember seeing on the flat when as a two-year-old at Newmarket and thought he might might win the derby the next year. He's he's really beginning to find his stride. How happy are you with him? Very. Um, he didn't have a perfect prep for his uh, first start, but we wanted to get a run into him. Uh, he probably won that a bit too well. Um, Eleven pounds hasn't helped his case, but uh, he's definitely improved since that run. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. And it, it took him a little while just to kind of get the hang of the the hurdling game. He does seem to seem to have improved quite a lot for the break. Is that is that reality? Do you think? Well, we certainly thought so. So it was nice to see him do that at Newbury last time out, and we we think. Uh, 
we thought going into that race that he'd improve for it and we think um certainly looking at home that he has improved so um you know i think probably the rest did him good you know that we only got him in the middle of last season whereas this year we've had him from the start we've done things our way from the start and um yeah he's in, he's in really good form i mean it's going to be a tough race it sounds like under control is going to be quite quite difficult to beat but um yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing my horse run and in in terms of the way that the the yard is starting to to build and to burgeon, as I was saying, you're now fully ensconced in your purpose built new premises. H- how pleased are you with the way it's coming together? Yeah, I'm pleased. Um, I love the yard. I love the gallop. We're we're working it out. Um, you know, the horses of the horses are running well at the moment, but the hardest thing is to keep it going, isn't it? You know, we had a decent November and we've got a lot of horses to run before Christmas, so just trying to keep getting good results and keep the horses running well already all right that was harry derham and before him jamie snowden uh, harry derham runs brentford hope against under control as he was saying and he felt under control would be difficult to beat in the jerry field and which is a sort of potential stepping stone to being a sort of champion hurdle horse if you win it under a big weight remember epaton won this race and did her thing later in the season all the way back to cruising altitude winning it very easily many 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 years ago under control beat Iberico Lord in that race at Sandown Park at the end of last season. Iberico Lord bolted up in the Greatwood. Could Nicky Henderson have yet another string to his bow here? Well, I think she's a decent mare, uh, Philly at the moment, four-year-old. Um, and Nicky Henderson was certainly talking about her as potentially graded class when Iberico Lord went at Cheltenham. I wouldn't take that form literally. I felt Iberico Lord could probably have beaten her under different circumstances at Sandown. But um, nonetheless, the fact that she was able to be that, you know, be, officially be, beaten by a length, half a length rather, that does suggest that she's probably still pretty well handicapped, has got a lot of ability and, you know, potentially could be stepping up into graded company. Of course, they've got the mayor's option as well, not just the champion hurdle if they feel that she can stretch out. Yeah, and of course, Nicky Henderson really will have his eyes on Newcastle if that goes ahead for Constitution Hill. I don't know if you heard my interview with Michael Buckley yesterday, did you, where he uh, was kind of petitioning for a reschedule to Sandown if Newcastle was off. I think he fancies a go at it if it was run at Sandown next week. Okay. But I don't know if Nicky Henderson's as keen necessarily on that idea because of the proximity to Kempton. Right, okay. I mean, the proximity in days to the Christmas hurdle rather than the two tracks being five (laughs) miles apart. Yeah, I wasn't going to make that mistake. Um, uh, Look, I mean, I think bearing in mind at the end of last season after winning the champion hurdle we had all sorts of potential targets um, laid out for Constitution Hill. I think this season's campaign as we are sticking to Uh, trying to retain the champion hurdle crown has to be more a a bit more daring I think more entertaining for uh, people who watch this extremely good horse so I'd be on the Buckley side of the argument here if he yeah if if it if it is rescheduled to go there of course there will be a case and there will be people saying look this is a race that is one of the great showpiece events in the north of England Mm. should it not then be run at Aintree or Doncaster or wherever yes I mean, my answer to that would be yes. And uh, Doncaster, probably the best reproduction, maybe, of mm. Newcastle in terms of, you know, galloping and all of that. Um, but I don't know when they've got next got a next No, got neither a do I. I'm talking off the top of my head yeah, here. Yeah, it's probably Aintree's probably the, 
th- th- is the other obvious choice next yeah. weekend, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, yes, and I think there is, there is an argument for that. I mean, I know it might it's less convenient if you train in Lambourne, but nonetheless, I think it's important to the northern jumping circuit that they retain some of their highlights. So if you're the BHA and it has been made known to you that Constitution Hill will run, but only if the race is run at a given venue, it does put you in a bit of a spot, doesn't it? It does, and the regulator really, really shouldn't be put in that kind no, of... No, of course they shouldn't, shouldn't but you know exactly what, I, it reminds what I do. Me, it reminds me heavily of when... Do you remember when York was abandoned in 2008? Mm-hmm. And um, Duke of Marmalade and New Approach were facing off in the Judmont International, mm-hmm. and there were three potential venues for the Judmont International, Newbury, uh, Newmarket July, and a another. Mm-hmm. Who I and can't, Newmarket July 1. Uh, I can't remember. Newmarket July 1... Because I think at least two sets of the connections made it very clear that that was their favoured option and that's where the horses would run. At some point, you know, the, uh, the sport has to be pragmatic as well, the, the point that you're making, because obviously fans of the sport want to see Constitution mm. Hill. And so the net positive is seeing Constitution Hill as opposed to not seeing Constitution Hill. The, 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 the best thing is that everybody could agree that the sport is a nationwide affair and that northern jump racing um, needs supporting. Um, and fair play to Sandy Thompson, Huey Morrison, Harry Fry and Jamie Snowden and all the connections of the horses who are prepared to line up and have a go uh, at, uh, at Constitution Hill. And you heard, of course, from Jamie Snowden earlier on in the programme. I mean, do we need to talk about the race much beyond this because he ought to just turn up and canter around, oughtn't he? He, he should really. I mean, I think he is that brilliant. He, they, I think the summit of his ability, certainly over two and a half miles, was exposed at Aintree, which was probably the main reason why he didn't end up going over fences and heading towards the Gold Cup because he indicated that he wouldn't stay it, probably. Um, but he is absolutely brilliant and unassailable over two miles. Love Envar was excellent under an attacking rider, well, a controlling rider rather than an attacking rider is probably the better way of putting it, um, in the mayor's hurdle at Cheltenham. And you wear it well, does at least have a fitness edge. And it did look as though she has come back at least as good as she was when she won the mayor's novice at Cheltenham last season and maybe hinted at quite a bit better. So they're, they're all extremely worthy and in some cases more than worthy horses. Uh, but Constitution Hill, if the race goes ahead, will be winning another race at one fifty-five tomorrow. Save... Well, I, I wanted to put a call in to Anthony Bromley today because uh, the Mania Suede star at Berry Pass goes in the Hatton's Grace Hurdle at Ferry House this weekend. But I, as luck would have it, um, Anthony has just been awarded the prestigious accolade by the Federation of Bloodstock Agents of Bloodstock Agent of the Year. Um, his exploits this year not simply extending to what we know he's good at, which is buying brilliant jumpers, but also buying a whole load of very smart flat horses for not always all that much money. And I guess Relief Rally would be amongst the highlights. Here he is. And congratulations. How, how does that feel this morning? No, it was, it was yeah, very sweet, actually. Um, to get something from your peers is always, you know, really quite special. And, uh, uh, yeah, so we just did a little presentation in the, in the, in the sales ring um, just before the sale started. And actually, it was, I was quite, uh, was quite touched by how many... Um, how many people turned up to to applaud, as it were, and um, yeah, so yeah, a lot of Irish uh, consigners and buyers and things like that, and um, yeah, it was very sweet, very touched. So, just to, I don't want to, I don't want to make you feel aged or anything, but how long have you been at this game now? <laughs> well, I went to work for Minty uh, David Minton uh, after A level, so I was about nineteen, but I was just a T boy then. I wasn't an agent or anything like that, and that probably took quite a few years before I could probably be called an agent but yeah i mean gosh well 
Anyway, let's just go say High Flyer Bloodstock itself. <laughs> high Flyer Bloodstock itself has been set up since 2001, but I was at the BBA before that. David been to Bloodstock before that, so we've been doing it quite a long time. Yeah. And, and <laughs> as I said, you're you're best known, I suppose, for the Corto Stars and the Masterminders and the Big Bucks and that little litany of of, of world class horses over jumps. But the last couple of seasons, uh, you know, you're, you've gone yet more respect sourcing sourcing flat horses. It seems to me sort of watching on semi-objectively that you really get a kick out of out of buying these yearlings now is that the case uh, yeah actually i've really enjoyed the sales season this year i've had more to buy and that's obviously a big help um yeah i bought over 80 flat yearlings this year during the sales season um but not at all big money um and that's why i think i get the kick out of it I, it's quite a logistical puzzle in my mind the, the yearling sales and um yeah, it's just and I've had and I've had a good bit of success for Eve Johnston Horton and you know the likes of Chipotle for ten grand and I mean obviously actually Trushan was a breeze up but uh, he's been a very good horse this year but we bought for Eve sort of Jumby as well it was quite a cheap yearling and he's won a few group races and obviously you've mentioned Relief Rally it was fifty eight thousand and you know they aren't breaking the bank in in flat terms um, so yeah it does give me a great deal of pleasure and pride when. Um, to beat the to beat the pack, as it were, at times, you know. Yeah, and, and to also, I suppose, not have to follow the pack in terms of in terms of fashion, in terms of in terms of trends, and 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 particularly prepared to compromise slightly on stallion fashion. Well, that would actually be yeah. I don't think I've got any genius um, plan about it, it, but I do tend to. I, I'd I'd forgive stallion rather than individual and i and i don't know if that's it seems to have worked over the years to to, to good effect uh, you know where the, the great late um henry ponsonby was my biggest supporter on the flat and we never spent more than about 30 grand and we had so many really good winners together um i do miss henry he was my greatest supporter and he whilst i was buying no flat yearlings, he was the only man every year let me buy a yearling or two every year but we used to keep banging out good ones you know the likes of scarlet dragon who dares wins and, and um you know, and yeah, it was, it's um, a shame he's gone, but he was a great supporter. He got me into Eve Johnson Horton, so um, I, I thank him for that. Um, obviously, one of the main reasons I called, because I wanted to talk about Ampere Pass tomorrow, um, the, the the vibes seem to be that, that this could be a pretty special horse up there with a, among the best jumpers that you've you've acquired. Um, how do you feel about, about him? Oh, look, he, he, he's he's unbeaten for us. Um, he's won his four hurdles. Uh, he, he does look the unfinished article still, and that's what we're all excited about. I felt that um, Paul Townend and Willie were... I've never seen you win a group grade one at Punchestown by six or seven lengths easily, and yet you felt you got beat talking to Paul and Willie afterwards. I think they felt he was going to do a something unbelievable at Punchstown and it didn't quite happen um, but I think that just shows the the level of uh, the esteem in which they hold the horse I think that was the way I took it on the day um, he is I think he could be very good um, but a new season and it's all a new it's a blank canvas again I'm, I'm particularly worried about um, Gordon's horse in the, at the Hatton's Grace uh, Tiahupu Um Surely, uh, he won the race last year, and he's favourite for the Stayers Hurdle, I think. So, it'll be a proper test on Sunday for his first run of the season. Why? We'll why is it that that Willie or you or 
between you, you've decided to to go to the Hatton's Grace over two and a half to kick off rather than just sticking at the bare two miles. Uh, well, yeah, that's just uh, stable politics, I think. Mm. Um, he had to get the two boys out, State Man and Imperi Pass. It seems silly to give them their first runs against each other. They were both entered for the Morgiana, and we were told that it, whichever one came first, whichever horse seemed the fittest the week before would run in the Morgiana and whichever did, you know, it would just be literally on, he was going to wait and see their last piece of work and um, and do it that way. So we could have been running in the Morgiana last weekend. It's just the state man was ready and, you know, he didn't need to go up in trip, but he was quite willing to do that. So it, I think that's what we were told a month ago. So it was, it was up in the air as to which went where. Um, but I think it was always sort of, we know he gets two and a half, why not do it, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm jumping one step ahead of myself here, and apologies for doing that. But if it all goes well, is there any temptation to have a have a dart at Constitution Hill any time before the Cheltenham Festival or not? Oh, look, you're asking the wrong man. I know I'm the racing <laughs> manager, but come on. We know, we, you know... You know, in, in, in you know, in Willie we trust, and you just go with the flow. But you, you and I both know that that's not going to happen. Uh, Willie doesn't tend to bring those real top grade one horses over to England until till Cheltenham, um, and, and then you know, and then decides after that really what happens. But no, I would, uh, I would certainly couldn't see that one. Either of those horses coming to England to take on Constitution Hill before Cheltenham. Um, I mean, I imagine. Let's see what happens this weekend. But they might, but I mean, State Man and Imperial might have to meet each other in the Matheson hurdle at Christmas, I suppose. You know. And what about El Fabiolo? What's the what's the plan for him? Yeah, so I think the plan is the is the Hilly Way uh, on the tenth of December, so a week on Sunday. Um, that's been sort of the pencil and pen for quite a while. I did ask Willie this week if we won that, would we try and squeeze in the 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 two mile Grade One at Christmas? And he sort of didn't sound he didn't say that he doesn't normally try to run them back in 17 days so i wouldn't i wouldn't be sure if he'd go back to christmas or not but he, he is entered and obviously it's a possibility but you know it's up to willie and how the horse takes it all but uh, so we'd have to find something else in january for him okay. and um will I'm, I'm sure you'll be keeping a very close eye on what happens at newbury over the next couple of days who is who is representing the bloodstock agent of the year um chiefly uh, in in berkshire this weekend uh, well, well, we'll all be there tomorrow. Even though racing might not be uh, might not be on on Saturday, because uh, there's a horse sale after racing. There so, is. So, so, we'll all, so Tessie, Great Treks, Minty, and myself are all going. We'll all be there Saturday for sure. Okay. And who are you putting your hopes on winning this weekend? Apart from Amperi Pass, obviously. Oh. <laughs> I'd like. I... I'd like to see Batman Girac run nicely in the juvenile hurdle for the green colours on Sunday. He's in a graded race. Um, been a bit keen at home, but I uh, want to get, get him out and see what we've got as a juvenile. Good. Yeah. Well, we should look forward to that. And congratulations again. What a special day. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Nick. Cheers. All right, that was Anthony Bromley. Congratulations to him. Lydia is still with me. And, you know, if we're excited about seeing Constitution Hill, I'm really excited about seeing Ampere pass and to see whether he can sort of be, be quite a special horse that Connections clearly believe him to be. Really interesting listening to Anthony saying that seven-length victory at Punchestown and it was as, as though Willie Mullins and Paul Townend had been beaten. They were that disappointed. No, really, right. OK, I mean, this is the horse, I think, in terms of... I think this is the most serious horse that Constitution Hill 
will have will be facing in his career to date um and bearing in mind that that also includes John Bon um who who ran him very close well not close but you know what I mean it was a, a a very deep and substantial supreme that was set up to express constitution hill's ability Ampere pass has got that blend of speed and stamina as well and he looked very good indeed all of last season and I'm very excited by his return and again he's got some uh, he's got a a couple of fit ones potentially in there but most particularly maybe Irish Point um, and Buddy One I mean obviously Hatton's Grace sort of spans two divisions of hurdling some of them are going to be heading towards the two mile races after this and others are going to go up to three miles and Buddy One would be one of those and then you've got Zana here who'll just run in everything. Well, what, what, well and, why, and why wouldn't he? And exactly. why wouldn't he? He's that, he's that kind of horse. And Ashro Diamond as well, who is a, a decent mare who uh, skipped Cheltenham last season, didn't she? But was an impressive winner at Punchestown. And I, didn't, I did think it was quite notable that given how many winners Gordon Elliott's trained over the last few weekends, I mean loads and loads and loads at these last big three weekend festivals, uh, and given that the Mullins juggernaut is just starting to, to sort of crank up, I did think it was quite notable that Gavin Cromwell had the favourites for the other two grade ones on yeah. the card. Yeah. Um, we spoke to him about them yesterday, and I thought he sounded really pretty confident about both of them for him. Yeah, I should just say it was Fairy House that Ashray Diamond won that. But yes, so I'm a massive fan of Let's Be Clear oh, about lovely it. lovely Yeah, looked really, really talented when winning last time against Mighty Tom. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Founder 50, who got me quite excited in his first two starts as a novice hurdler, then went up a grade and, and found it tough at that stage in his career. The way he made his debut over fences suggests that he he is going to be a force over that kind of discipline. So I think the the battle between those two is going to be really fascinating, really compelling. And then there's, of course, Sharjah, who, at the age of 10, seems to have, in an unlikely fashion, a bit like Fahim, mm. for Willie Mullins, he's managed to uh, get the horse to change discipline and be very good. What an amazing old horse he is. That's 2 o'clock Sunday, the Drinmore Novices Chase. Bar One Racing sponsoring the whole card at Fairy House. And the question I put to Gavin yesterday about Encanto Bruno was the ground, and he he really rejected that quite strongly. Mm-hmm. The idea that he needed good ground. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, and you know, clearly there's there's a there's an inspection as well, so the frost will have some kind of impact on the ground as well. I know that literally he doesn't have the form just yet, but I quite like Slade Steel when I saw him on his seasonal debut. I think he'll be interesting for Henry de Bromhead. Slade Steel for Henry de Bromhead, and that's at one twenty-five. Okay, no, uh, interesting case came out of the Morgiana Hurdle last week. There are only four runners in the race, and uh, Sam Ewing has been given a five-day ban um, by the IHRB for um, effectively team tactics. It's the first time the rule's been uh, invoked. Uh, Pied Piper slid up his inside, turning phone Pied Piper, a stable companion also trained by Gordon Elliott. Um, Sam joins me now. Sam, just, just explain from your perspective what you, you were doing and what the stewards thought you were doing. Look, I've made the running um, and I've been going around the sharp bend in punches time, turning in flat out on the wrong leg. And for a split second, I've ended up off the rail. And in that split second, Jack's, Jack's got there. Um, and and I think he burned up a lot of his horse getting there, do you know. And look, it, it wasn't intentional or anything, um, but can see the point of view. Of uh, why they may think so. Okay, so you can you can understand why it didn't look that great. Uh, the decision, I suppose. No, look, I I didn't do it. And look, I I'm not guilty. But you know, like there's been plenty of cases where 
that sort of thing has happened and there's been nothing done about it. Mm, okay, so that, that would form the basis of an appeal if you were to appeal. What are you thinking at the moment? Are you, do, do you want to? Look, I'm 50-50. Um, I've been getting uh, lots of advice of as many people as I can and a lot of different opinions have came to, came to hand. Um, but uh, I'll know later today what I'm doing. All righty. Well, I appreciate you talking to us. You make a decision on that this afternoon, yeah? Yeah. All right, Sam. Thanks so much. I'll leave you be. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Hello. Well, I appreciate Sam Ewing coming on and uh, and chatting. It's quite an unusual one. This um, did it. Did it? Stri- I, I, I was watching that the race from sort of quite a long way away on a smallish screen. Did it strike you at the time that they might have a look at that? Uh, did I notice it happening? Yes. Did I think it was necessarily be looked at? No. And bearing in mind that this is the first time that the rule has been invoked, they've only had it in the IHRB rule, back, rule book since 2019 due to sort of the European harmonisation of rules. And it's under advantaging another runner. A rider must not make a manoeuvre in a race with the apparent intention of advantaging another horse in common ownership or trained by the same trainer. Now, when you look at the the guidelines in terms of what um, penalty the stewards can reach for, there's nothing published. So five days, I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) we have no way of deciding whether that is what you would expect, a harsh penalty or at the lower end. And also, I presume that involves some kind of risk about appealing it because potentially maybe it could go anywhere. Haven't we had this in another case this year where from Ireland where we've, we've had an offence and there hasn't been an entry point or there haven't been published really? parameters. Yeah. Right. it was. I think it was something, something more serious. I can't off the top of my head remember what it was, but I thought, well, that's a bit strange because there's no guidelines here. No, and it, it's... I mean, the point that Sam made, which I think is pertinent, he said there are plenty of cases when that sort of thing has happened, i.e. drifted off the rail, and nothing has been done about it. And I think if he were to decide to appeal... He's going to have to explain why he drifted as he did to the satisfaction of the stewards. Um, And he didn't mention the drift when he came into the clerk of the scales, which doesn't help when you later then give it in evidence in the stewards inquiry. Mm. But he can also say that make that point that, you know, he could he could point to to past instances of this having happened and nothing being done. And I think in the instance of, of fairness and taking the jockey population with you, if you're going to invoke this rule or take the start to take this rule very seriously at the start of the season, I think it's only fair to point it out. Or if potentially if somebody comes in and you're saying, look, we're looking at you under this rule and maybe give a caution or a lesser ban for it. So I think there's a case for mitigation, but it comes with risks. Yeah. And the problem, of course, is if he uh, if he appeals and loses or if they decide that they want to give him more days, which they, you know, they could do theoretically, then... Boxing Day or St Stephen's Day in Ireland is is out, and that's that is a big that would be a big one. That would be a disaster. And as I say, because there are no published parameters, we we don't really know. The other thing about this is that the rule has potential uh, for the trainer to be asked a question, and Gordon Elliott was not asked any question. Now I don't know whether that is only triggered if the rider essentially says I was riding to orders, which Sam obviously did not mm. in his evidence, but. Um, it would seem that seems strange to me from a procedural point of view as well. Yeah, presumably, did they interview Jack Kennedy as well? Yes. Okay, right, fine. They, they did do that. But yes, I agree. I mean, surely, if it is the trainer that is 
supposedly the mm. beneficiary of an alleged action mm. like this, then you'd have thought they'd. Have I'm, I'm not suggesting he, that there was. No, no, a, no, I get you. I, I get but you. I'm just saying, in the uh, in the in- interest of procedural fairness, yeah. it seems odd. Yeah, it does. Um, trainer's license uh, has been granted to Tony Charlton. You probably might. Well, you might if you're one of our older listeners. Remember Tony <laughs> Charlton from his riding days. Uh, he has been assistant to Milton Harris. Now, and you'd be familiar with the fact that Milton Harris's training license has been suspended for reasons um, as yet unclear, but which will probably become clear when the hearing takes place. I think it's scheduled for January. Um, at the moment. So Tony Charlton has been uh, granted a licence to train from the beaches in Sutton, Vaney. Um, licence was issued on Thursday the 30th, so that's yesterday, meaning he can run horses from Thursday the 14th of December. Horses transferring to Mr Charlton, who've already been in training with a licence trainer for 14 days, will be immediately eligible to run. So the BHA are trying to make it as much business as usual as possible for that, for that uh, concern. Yes, it's uh, it's impossible to work out from the outside what is going on and what is the reason for the interim suspension of Milton Harris's licence and it's best not to speculate on that. But it is worth noting that the BHA have been keen to facilitate, to not overly inconvenience owners, the owners, if they possibly can, hence dropping the 14-day requirement if the horses move stables and here uh, enabling uh, horses that have been with those other traders to come back and run more immediately. So they are clearly uh, making efforts to minimise inconvenience to the owners. OK, well, continuing our build-up to the Hong Kong International Race Day next week, and a horse who must have a right chance in the Hong Kong Cup, 10 furlong races, Horizon Dore, who races in the Aradabomo silks, um, silks of uh, the Shaboob family. Pauline Shaboob is with me now uh, after a wonderful season with Ace Impact, and this horse, of course, Pauline, who I thought looked ideal for Hong Kong. How's he training? Yeah, true. Um, look, it, it, it looks, he seems in great form, actually. Um, he, you know, he's a, one of the best French two years old, uh, three years old. So, yeah, we we, we are confident um, that he travels very well and seems to fit well. Yeah, he does. And uh, unlike quite a lot of uh, horses that we assume from France want cut in the ground, he seems to be best when the ground's quite quick. Is that the way you look at it? Yeah, true. You know, uh, in the champion stakes, he pulled a lot. And after all, the performance was good. Um, the ground was uh, extreme this day. Um, but the, the, the performance was good. Um, he, he, he will he will love the, the pace and the ground in uh, Hong Kong. But, you know, that's never easy to uh, three years old against uh, all the horses. But uh, that, uh, that's a good challenge. And you, I saw you at Goffs last week, and you were busy buying some some more mares. Are they are they all headed to to Ace Impact? Um, not all. Um, some for Ace Impact, some for City Way. Uh, that was a, a good sale actually at Goff uh, with a good catalogue. Uh, we we have a mare in fall to Caesar Stars for a good price uh, in fall of Pinatubo, Phoenix of Pain. So yeah, we are pretty pleased uh, with that, and we will continue to Arcana. And obviously, you're going to support your own stallions with with great gusto. But are you getting good feedback for for Ace Impact? Is he is he filling up well already? Yeah, already well. You know, he's such a popular horse, and I think he will uh, have a lot of overseas uh, mare. Um, yeah, we are confident, and uh, he settled pretty good in uh, his new life. So we we can wait to. 
to start uh, the, the season. I wish you all the best next week, Pauline. Thanks for talking to me. Merci, Nick. Bye-bye. And that leads us neatly onto the end of the show and a piece of advice for this afternoon. I think it's safest if we keep this to today because, frankly, I don't hold much hope of a full house tomorrow, that's for sure. Um, things might surprise us, but it is bloody cold. What have you got for me? I like Ed Keeper in the last, uh, the three-mile handicap hurdle, running for Sam Thomas and Sam Twist and Davis, stepping up by half a mile in trip. But I thought that was an improvement again in the conditional jockey's handicap hurdle at Ascot last time. He and the winner finished a long way clear of the rest. He travels really well. I think he's got untapped potential. So it's Ed Keeper in the 3.35 at Newbury today. Today. That's it from us this Friday, the 1st of December. Uh, I will be back again on Monday and Charlotte will be back this evening with a roundup of all the interviews going into tomorrow as we live in hope that there's some racing on on Saturday afternoon. Keep warm this weekend. Thanks for your company again. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.